Hi, I'm Penny. And I'm Jo. And together we're... Unripe. We're two Australian women. Actually, I'm a Kiwi. And I'm Italian. We're on the other side of 40 and we've never had kids. We're not experts, we're just like you. We're trying to understand our place in the world to find a community of women who are childless by circumstance or child-free by choice. We're here to talk about IVF, being childless and single, childless and married or in a relationship, abortion, losing friends to motherhood and everything that people just don't talk about on these subjects. Who knew how hard it could be to find a group to talk about this stuff? We are a tribe hidden in plain sight. So we're going to talk about it all. The good. The bad. The freedom. The loneliness. The judgment. And the possibilities when you're a childless woman. We want to make these conversations part of the mainstream. We invite you to join us. Welcome back to Unripe. Hey, Joe. How are you going? Well, you know, another week in lockdown, Penny. Another week in lockdown. I know by the time that these episodes come out, well, we'll still be in lockdown, actually. <laughs> we, we in fact, will. Um, but we are surviving we are. and we've still got stories to tell. We do. So what are we going to talk about? Well, today we are focusing on friendships and what happens to friendships when some friends go off to have families it sounds like they've gone off somewhere to a different country, but it kind of feels that way to the rest of us left behind. And and some friends don't have children. So for whatever reason, they chose not to, they just haven't got a partner or they don't want to, whatever it is, or they couldn't. We're going to talk about emotions a lot today, actually. So there might be some tears. I don't know. Yeah. So I, it's re- for me, this is really about what our social um, circle looked like throughout our 20s and 30s and how it changed. And we've also got some more stats today. Yeah. So stats um, this week, you don't have specific. There's never been a study done to look at um, stats specifically on childless people and their friendship groups. So what I'm going to do is sort of look at it from a, a studies on the effect of childless on women and how that may impact relationships that they've got. So we'll take it from that point of view. And we've also got shit that comes up on my feed. I've got a little one that's been troubling me this week. I get troubled a lot. And this one, you uh-huh. know, I'm passionate about a lot of things, Penny. Um, and I have opinions about a lot of things. And I've got an opinion about this thing today. So we'll talk about that one later on in the episode. All right. Looking forward to hearing about yeah. it. Yeah. And then we've got our question of the week, which will be... It'll be around friends. Yeah. Penny, what statistics do you have for us this week? Tick, 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 Brain digging away. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. There aren't specific stats around childless people and what has happened to, to friends, so I've taken a slightly different tack. So we are pretty clear that childless and child-free women over 40 in Australia and New Zealand make up one in five. That means that four in five do have children. What does that mean for our friendship circles? If we're struggling with being childless due to, due to infertility, not having met the right guy, or we've just chosen not to have children, what does this do to our social circles? Is it tough to be around kids because it's a trigger? Do we not just want to be around kids because it's a reminder or that they're just not our cup of tea? 
Does that change our view on friendships? I think it does. Let's talk about the impacts of being childless. So in a paper that was published in the US National Library of Medicine, it broke the impacts into four areas. The biggest impact in each of these areas were community effects, so a status loss, including no respect and being a social failure. Mm. I know, how harsh does that sound? Thanks. Economic and in-law effects, which is the cost of treatment, so by biomedical or traditional. Legal and family aspects, so inheritance restrictions. Perhaps if you haven't had kids, you've got restrictions on where your inheritance from you know, different relations is going to. People may give more to members with children than those without. There are movies made about this sort of thing, you know, must have a child before you get the big inheritance from Uncle Teddy, who's a multi-gajillionaire. Yeah, Yeah, that kind of thing. And then the fourth one is religious and spiritual effects. Uh, so then there was the uh, another article that I found, a social exclusion of Australian childless women in their reproductive years, which was published in 2016. This study suggests circumstantially an involuntary childless woman, followed by voluntary women, perceive more stigmatism and exclusion due to being childless than undecided and future childed women. So people who are voluntary think that they've got more stigmatism than those who haven't decided or are yet to take a offense it is the judgment so they feel the judgment from society that they've chosen like they sell you're selfish and all those sorts of things okay so such differences may be influenced by the nature of women's deviance from pronatalism, which we talked a bit about last week. So is there regret for childless women over 50? So the largest study in answer to this question was undertaken in Norway by Thomas Hansen that was published in 2012. The team from this research examined data from over 5,000 participants aged between 40 and 80, examining well-being in older age across a range of factors including childlessness, they concluded that there was no difference in well-being between parents and the childless. I've got one more article that I want to refer to, and that was by Melissa Graham, published in 2015. Is being childless detrimental to a woman's health and well-being across her life course? The findings from that were that childless women experience poorer physical and mental health and well-being during their peak reproductive years. However, this trend is reversed for women who are aged 65 years or more. While childless people are going through their reproductive years, they're they're suffering mentally. Wow. But once they get past 65, there's a complete flip and they're happier. Screw that, they're saying. Yeah. So although never married, childless women experience better health and well-being compared with mothers. This was not the case for childless women who were divorced, separated or widowed. Hmm. So these studies tell us that childless women feel excluded on many levels or perceived to feel excluded. Maintaining friendships with friends who have children can trigger these feelings of exclusion. Mm. So my takeaway from this is that also that if society didn't make motherhood the ideal and ultimate goal for women, these childless women would not feel the extent of this exclusion. It's not my place to talk to the views of women who have become mothers, but if you're listening, we'd love to hear your thoughts on your 
your friendships with childless women and if they fell to the wayside or how you maintained them. I don't have statistics on friendship circles for childless women because there just hasn't been any studies on it. Mm. If you know of a study, please let me know as I'd be really interested to learn what was identified. Just drop that into hellounripe at gmail.com. Thanks, Penny. Yeah, look, it goes to show that there's really not a lot of studies, to be honest. No, no recent studies and a lot of data around what happens to friendships. But it would be interesting for someone to do, I don't know, a PhD about it or write a book about it. I don't know about you, but I have lost all of my friends who have had children. Now, I am not suggesting that they are to blame for that. And I don't think it's about blame. I think it's about just what happens. So I had some great friends who I knew from my early 20s. We were partied together. We were friends. We were all at uni. And I got married quite young compared to the rest of them. But my marriage is quite unconventional. Jeff and I still were going to parties and doing all that sort of stuff. So we we were weren't like a married couple in that traditional sense. By the time some of my friends got married later, like in their 30s, they started having children quite late. And that was around the time that I started saying, oh my God, I think I need to have kids. Now, Jeff likes to think that the reason why I decided I wanted to have kids then was because everyone around me was getting knocked up. Yeah. But I just think that it was a combination of that as well as just I hit my mid-30s and started going, what is going on here and is this what I want? You know, and starting to ask all those questions, having never wanted to before. But, you know, I did try to maintain my friendships, but it's really fucking hard. Mm. You know that, right? Yeah, 100%. I loved these people, but the reality is that when you are child free or childless woman, it's really hard to be around your friends. To me, it wasn't that it was a trigger. It wasn't always a trigger. It was just the fact that I couldn't have a conversation. And I don't begrudge any woman taking care of their newborn, you know, like yeah. I get it or their toddler. I totally get it. We get it, right? Like we're, yeah. we're, we're not saying stop everything and talk to me. But at the same time, we're kind of going, hey, so I'm here and I get that this is hard, but this is what I came here for. So having a conversation with your friends who've got toddlers or newborns is just ridiculous. You know that. And that's why they do have mother communities because they get each other. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying it becomes hard. So look, I I did. I dropped all my friends. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm the one So you who, made a conscious decision. Absolutely. It was just too hard, you know. So you're saying that your a lot of your friendship group were having kids in their late 30s. Yeah. You didn't you didn't experience that during in your 20s? No, like predominantly. Not, at all. not at all. I wonder if that's because of your, your background, like your education. Maybe. That delayed choice because mm. that's quite a specific attribute yeah. that they were falling into there. Yeah. What's your experience I, I a, a little bit different because I had grown up in New Zealand and then I left. So I left New Zealand when I was 22. Mm. So friends that I had actually some of those friends came and traveled as well to the UK when I went, but a lot came back and then they started having their families, like my brother, kind of in their early 30s. So they were in New Zealand while I was in the UK or here in Australia. You avoided the whole thing. Well, I kind of got to because, and not that I say avoided, but I got to enjoy it from a distance. Right. So I would still love going back and seeing 
seen them, I got to visit and then I got to go and I would feel, especially when they're young, it's much more difficult because as they get, as the kids get older, you can actually engage and have a conversation. But when they're young, to your point, they're so distracted. The frustration of sitting and trying to have a conversation when you haven't seen someone for ages and they've got one eye, one direction, one the other. Mothers get it, but I don't get it. And I find it, I'm sitting right in front of you. We don't have, don't have much time. I'm here for a short time. And so that was always, I did, I would find it frustrating. And that's the thing though, isn't it? It's like talking to someone who's on their phone. You know what I mean? That you're talking to them, but yeah. they're on their phone. And and again, I do want to reiterate that we get it. We get that you've got a, a child in the room, but it's it's still frustrating. It doesn't mean that it's any less frustrating because we get it. We're here because we're we're talking for childless yeah. and child free women. And this is from our point of view. You were quick to kind of have to explain yourself. I know, I know. But it's I not feel bad sometimes. Yeah, it's not that you should like we're we're here to say this is how it feels for us and maybe they know it maybe they don't but just know that it's not it's not a it's not an attack yeah but I guess they must yeah. know it right they must know it and go look there's nothing I can do about it this is this is my life now yeah so for those friendships, I've been able to maintain and keep the friends that I have. And I'll say that, you know, that's my, my friends back at home. Here in Australia, I've been here sort of through my 30s and now into my 40s. And I have had friends who've had kids. But I've realized, you know, when we were going to do this episode that most of my friends don't have kids. And I whether I've chosen to have friendships with people who have chosen not to have children or that's just what was going to happen, that seems to be. I feel you know, somewhat surrounded by people who've not had kids or they've got older kids. So now, mm. especially in my 40s, now, you know, you've got people with older kids who are starting to move out of home right. and... But becoming independent. Though. But it makes sense, though, the idea of surrounding yourself with people who are similar to you, like parents surround themselves with people who've got kids. You do have a community, and that's another another thing that we want to talk about. Where's our community? We've, we're, we're creating our community, aren't we? Because parents automatically have a community. The minute you have a child, you've got a community, and that is 75% of the rest of society is your community. You have mother's groups. I can't talk for men. I don't know what they've got. But you've got, you know, your parent groups. You've got other friends who are probably having kids around the same time. Then when the kids go to school, you've got drop off and pick up and you've got school fates. You know, you've got that community that's ready there for you. Whereas we don't have a community. We're a community of of not haves. Yeah. And I said in my stats at the beginning of it that three out of four women at this point, at least in Australia and New Zealand, do have kids. But that up to one in four don't. So where's the support or community? Where is the state-supported support groups for grieving childless women? Yeah. And I think it goes back to remember that book group that I was a member of when I said I should start a group for child-free women and the woman looked at me and said, what, why? What, what, what's that for? What would you need to do that for? And that, and it really got me thinking, well, one, I want to do it. You know, you've sent me a, a challenge, but also, yeah, what is it for? And it's 
for you and me, obviously it's about finding friendships and community but also advocating for women as well who don't know where to turn, who feel left out. I want to tell a story about of a woman that I spent a lot of time with who was a solo mother, lived with her parents and was bringing up her boy. We would, you know, socialise quite a bit but as the child got a little bit older, like 9, 10, started doing more things on weekends and took more time, I found that I was accommodating around the things that were happening in her life and it started to become frustrating that I felt it was always me working around rather than what my choices were were being um, considered and that my time was being considered. So the frustration led to me just not spending and ending up spending time with that person. And, I, you know, we kind of got through a certain amount of the experience and then I reached a point of this is one way and friendships aren't about being one way. No. We've got to have it both ways. And so, I, yeah, I called it. I totally get that because I found myself apologizing internally and externally throughout my 30s when my my friends did start having kids you know I'll work around you that's something that I said constantly I'll work around you I've got more flexibility than you I'll work around you and that's fine like you say it's fine for a while and then it becomes actually I lead a busy life as well and it's not just about comparing and contrasting who's got more time in the day and that sort of thing but it's more it is about having that reciprocation um, in the friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it does become a little bit frustrating in that mm. regard. So I totally get you. And I think we do. We apologise for that or make excuses for making it easier on our friends, which is what friends do, right? And mm-hmm. that's fine. I mean, I felt a little bit taken for granted after a while. Did you find that when you went through that period, you were going through IVF and it was tough, who were the friends that were around for you at that point? Nobody really talked about it with me at all. Is that because you weren't open to it or um, people just didn't want to talk about it? You know me, I'm an open book. I'll talk yeah, about okay. anything. No, people don't want to talk about things that involved involve grief. People didn't want to talk about the fact that you might have just had a miscarriage, you know, And they also don't know, and I think that's part of it too, that people don't know if it's the right thing to say, right? Should I say something? Shouldn't I say something? Or should I say... How's the IVF going? Surely if it was going well, they would say she would say, I'm pregnant. So I've touched on it before that I had a miscarriage just over two years ago now, actually, and I suffered grief after that. And I really spiraled for about 18 months, really spiraled and felt, yeah, pretty shitty. It was a shitty time. It affected my relationship. It affected, you know, everything that was going on. But I... And, you know, you're, you say you're an open book. I'm not. I'm the other way. So I've got to be careful that, you know, people don't know what I'm going through. But people did know. I was very open and told many people that I had a miscarriage. You're right. No one wants to talk about grief. No one wants to come and follow up and ask how you're going. So, yeah, I went through that mostly on my own. You know, I, I, f- I feel bad because I had friends going through things that were really big in their life, but I just, I wasn't there and I, I was too wound up in my 
own grief to kind of focus outwards. I was very inward. So the the steps that I've taken in the last, gosh, only really the last four or five months have really changed and turned that round where I feel like, oh my God, I'm here having this conversation with you right now. This is significant for me. It truly is. Yeah. The other thing I want to talk about friendship I'm not sure if you've experienced this. I find that any of my achievements feel to me, not just to others, I'm not saying that it feels to others, but to me, they feel like they're just not that important because I haven't done the one big thing. I get you, you get it? so much on you this You know what point. I'm saying? Yeah. But is that us? Is it that abso- an- I do think it's, it's a, I think it's us. I honestly do. I really do. But maybe I'm wrong. If someone can tell me that I'm wrong, I'm more than happy to hear it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Especially with friends who had, had just had kids or they're going through that really shitty time when the kids are like breaking into cupboards you know that that age right that age where yeah all that stuff or even when they're babies and they're not sleeping and that sort of thing saying to my friend I wrote a book just feels like you're saying nothing it felt like I was saying nothing you know but not to them they were always like, that's amazing, Joe," and then whatever. But it was more about how I was feeling. Like, I wrote a book, but you made a baby. Yeah, but I'm going to say you said you wrote a book, which is phenomenal. Can I just tell you? I think you're amazing because you've written not just one book, but you've written more than one book. You are incredible. But the conversation will sit on that and you will be given your congratulations. But before too long, the conversation goes back to motherhood and what's happening with the kids and the Mm. distraction of what's happening with the kids. Mm. And that becomes the bigger part of the space and the discussion. And I think that's what we feel, that we don't take up as much space. Yeah because uh, we're not we don't have children and our our achievements are taking up less space. Do you think that that's correct that they well, should not take up less writing space? Writing a book is yeah, like I say I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, but it's not having again I'm still going back to that. I and you know I've gone through a lot of therapy with this one. I still don't feel like I've got it, you know. And that is to me, I honestly do believe despite everything, having a child is bigger than anything. I know I'm, I'm looking at your face and you're like going, Joe, and that's just how that's I feel. What we're, no, that's how look, I feel. Joe, I, I'm making that face because I've got twofold. Yes, that's what we've been told and I'm not going to deny that because that was what made me feel and say my story right. was that I was going to have kids for up until, you know, whenever I decided that that wasn't going to happen for me at, at 42 after mm. the, the IVF dabble. But I feel like... You've written a book. I've traveled an extensive amount. So I've traveled to nearly 80 countries in the world. What I've learned, what I've learned from all of that is I have got an acute awareness of differences in people and where people come from and empathy and sympathy for different people and different facets of life that had I chosen to become a mum and not do that, would I have learnt those things? Would I have learnt the skills that I've learnt from being able to face 
different situations while I've been traveling to look after myself and become aware of whether a situation is safe or not, um, how to talk to different people to to get the things that I need in different languages. Wait, are you saying that people, mothers couldn't do that? I'm not saying that. They've learned a set of skills through being a mother. I've learned a whole set of skills from going and traveling and experiencing what the world has taught me. While we're talking about the idea of friends, that's what happens when I'm around people who have kids. I don't feel like my achievements go any way. They're not in any way as significant as their achievement. That's another reason why I've let go of friendships yeah. of people with kids. You know, that's just one of the other tick boxes. And like I say, I, I totally empathise with that and agree with it because that's a big part of my story that I felt those things through my experience right through my 20s and 30s, mm. that that was where I was headed to have my husband and my kids mm. because that was what I thought was the ultimate goal. Do you have any really good friends that have got kids? Close to um, that are close by, not ones that are in New Zealand that you see once a year. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that I love. You know, I yeah. truly love those ones at home and do have conversations with them, honestly, about the things that are going on for me. Here in Australia, yeah, I don't. I don't I don't have anyone who I go to and see that have have kids. More recently, I had um, a girlfriend who had who's got kids, who's got little ones. One of them was born on my birthday, and no, I don't see them. It's yeah. just that that's that's again, you know, life changes and yeah. different priorities. And time. I have one, I have one friend. Oh, you I have do? one, yeah, I do. And her kids are, oh, you know, nine, ten, eleven, that sort of age. And I adore my friend, and her kids are really lovely, right? They're they're just good kids. But you know, I have had to say to her when you come over. Don't bring your kids. Yeah. How does that go down? It was a weird conversation, you know. Look, it sounds awful, but you know what? It it's it was during lockdown, during one of those five minute periods where we were allowed to have friends over at our house. And I didn't want to spend that little bit of time dealing with her sons. I mean, I love them, but that's not what I wanted at that moment. And I think it's really important also that we do speak our truths in that way. And in a way that is not disrespectful. It wasn't a, I don't like your sons, please don't bring them. It was a, I really want to spend time with you as two adult women. That's what I need right now. Yeah. And and I expressed it. And I think that's part of it with friendships. We don't express it because for whatever reason, we feel embarrassed, we feel ashamed, we feel like we don't have the right to or, you know, their stuff's more important than our stuff. But really what it is about is about communicating. Yeah, that's that's what I think. I think it's about communicating and making sure that our friends do hear us, that we're not jealous. Sometimes we are. Yeah. Sometimes. Or angry. And sometimes we are. I think going through that grief process, you know, particularly for me in my later, my late 30s when I was and didn't realise that I was, that's what it was happening to me, that I was grieving for a life that wasn't going to happen. I probably felt some things about um, friends or, you know, people that I knew who were having kids, I would have felt certain feelings that were not positive. And now I realise that that was me frustrated by my own grief. I wish that I understood it at the time, mm. but I guess in reflection now I understand what was going on. I had this idea that our friends, you know, in our 30s who are having babies at that time, I have this 
have a couple of theories. One, that they pity us. I don't know if that's true, but part of me thinks that's true because, you, you know, you do. we do hear all those, you don't know what true love is until you've had a kid, well, right? There's, got, there's always going to be an element of that, of yeah. course. Yeah. I have a little bit of pity too. I mean, you know, there was a pity party for me, for myself, when I was going through it all. So I think that they pity us. And I also get the idea that they think that our lives are the exact same lives that we had before we went through our process. 100%. Yeah. So, and I and I get this one 100% because I, you know, my friends when I was in my 20s, you know, university and 20s are kind of the enduring relationships that I've still got. What we had in the time that we spent then was like partying and living like outrageous 20s lives. They've gone on to have kids and I've gone on to, you know, I've came, arrived in Australia and I haven't settled down necessarily I'm still doing but I've replaced going out until three o'clock in the morning to going to the art center and spending my money going traveling and so my life is not what the relationship that I had with them then but I still think they look at me and and see oh my god ah Penny I can have a wine with you know because that's what they relate me to they think you're the same person that you yeah were. but it's not because there's so many things you know we all change with age my goodness everyone evolves and friends who become mums go through a whole change in their approach to things and their priorities yeah absolutely Um, but so do we we go through a change in priorities to what's important to us and what our what our hopes and dreams are. We we kind of evolve. I hope I'm not speaking out of school about this because I remember we've had this conversation outside of the podcast. And that is that idea that friends look at you as the person that they can have, as you just said, have the wine with. That you're the one that's going to be free to be able to, you know, when, when they don't have the kids around, the kids are with the grandparents, a nanny, a partner, or whatever, Penny's going to all always be there to get wasted with they assume that that's still who you are I mean not to say that we don't yeah and look I have also talked about the fact that my friends that have got kids are in New Zealand so it's slightly different for me because when I go home it is on my terms when I'm available to to go and see them so here I have here in Melbourne I've got more friends who don't have kids or have got older kids so as much as that is the the impression, often when I go home now, it is just about catching up and yakking. And yes, there is always a cold bottle of bubbles or wine in the fridge <laughs> to have that conversation. Nothing wrong. With. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. The whole pity thing, though, that you mentioned before, I find this one interesting because I often wonder, and especially since we've been doing this, we've we hear a lot of people coming out and and sharing stories and or sharing that wow I was so unaware and it's brilliant it's been amazing like it's been such a a revelation and I've thoroughly enjoyed people who have had the courage to come forward and say those things just as we have but I'm more curious and you know it's not what I want to spend my time thinking lots about but I'm curious about the ones who have remained silent and whether there is an element of pity in them because they are thinking I'm not sure what to say or oh god poor things they haven't got what they they wanted or you know I'm not interested this hasn't got anything to do with me I'm not affected and I, I thought about that one first because if they stop and think about it, I guarantee that they know someone 
who doesn't have children and that they have had conversations around them that they are impacting someone who is impacted by this. Or when they have a conversation with a stranger and they say, um, the first question is, have you got kids? Uh, Maybe think about that next time. Do you know what I think we should do? What? We might get banned for this, but I think we should go to the Ladies Startup Lounge uh-huh. and pose a question because there's 10,000 women in that in that lounge yeah. and pose the question, if women with children pity women who don't have children, oh, my God, it could start a riot. They'd never say that to us, though. No. And that's the whole thing, that people who pity, they'll say it privately, but they generally won't say it directly to you unless they feel like there's some kind of comfort in the relationship depends on the relationship people in the lady startup are the strangers to us essentially yeah. okay all right i don't think they're going to say that directly to us and this is the thing with pity often it's a hidden thing and all we will hear is the silence and we're left to not understand is it because they're not interested is it that they don't know what to say is it that they are yeah, they're uncomfortable by it or it makes them awkward. I guess the, the answer here is that you don't feel sorry for us. Don't feel sorry for us. I don't want to be pitied. No. I 100% do not want to have pity because, oh, my God, if you, you start to hear the stories that Joe and I have, we've lived incredibly full lives and we've got Living. nothing to be pitied on. Strong women do not need pity, I'm telling you right here and right now. <laughs> Holla, sister. Shit that comes up in my feed. This is where we talk about things that have come up in our feed that have made us feel a little irked or we've got opinions about it. I think we've got something this week, Joe, that's come up on your feed. Yeah, we do. And this week... My feed is actually my television screen, so I've sort of stepped Ah. away from the feed. This ad has been coming up lately and it's from Monash IVF, which is the IVF clinic that I went to. And I went to. And you went to um, for IVF. And it is pissing me off. Really? Yeah. You need to tell me more. I'm going to play the ad. This is actually a short version of the ad, but you'll get the gist of it. Okay. People don't really see the one that cries himself to sleep at night. The dream of having a family. I didn't want to give that up it doesn't just take relax and it'll happen it definitely takes hope lots and lots of help it takes bravery for over 40 years monash ivf has led the way in reproductive health for the brave ones just like you the brave ones. Oh, the brave ones. So apparently you and I were not brave enough to complete our IVF journeys. And actually the full ad goes into the whole bravery thing even more intensely. So you hear the word brave over and over again. Now, look, am I totally wrapped that uh, someone is talking about childlessness? Absolutely. 100%, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to say that it's brave people or brave women who choose to go down the IVF path. No, it's not. What it is, is it's desperate people and it's desperate people who can afford it. But, you know, when I did IVF, it cost me probably about 20 grand plus insurance, plus Mm -hmm. other out-of-pockets and whatever. So, no, it doesn't take bravery. It takes, well, it takes an overdraft and it also takes desperation Mm -hmm. because you don't do IVF because you're brave. You do IVF because you're desperate to have children. And the reality is for women under 30, the success rate for IVF is around about 30%. No, 25%. That's sort of, I'm just sort of rounding up, right? Okay. Around 25%. Between 30 and 34, the birth rate 
is around 32%. And then it drops to 25, 26, et cetera, et cetera, as you get yeah, older. I think the drop might be bigger than that. Yeah, right it now. is. It's huge. It becomes, I think, over 45, but then it becomes 1.6%, right? And that's yeah. fair. You know, our eggs are no longer viable, et cetera. But the thing is that this bravery ad, it made me feel like I didn't try hard enough. I didn't try hard enough. I only went for three cycles. Only went for three cycles. I only got eight eggs. You know, we only created so many embryos. We only, you know, my last IVF cycle, I said to the doctor, I didn't know it was going to be my last. I said, can you just chuck them all in, the fertilized eggs? Can you just shove them all in? I'll become Octomum. I don't care. Just shove them in. It's illegal. But, you know, he shoved in two. <laughs> But it doesn't take bravery. You have to have a job that allows you time off because IVF doesn't happen at night. It happens whenever your cycle tells you it's got to happen. So you need to be able to take time off. You need to be able to afford it. And you need to be able to deal with it emotionally. And as someone who has suffered from depression since I was a teenager, let me tell you, it wasn't brave. It was fucking hard. So I'm insulted by this ad, absolutely insulted by it. Can I tell you where the bravery is for me? It's for those women, those 75% that didn't make it through, the bravery that they show in being able to survive, having gone through doing everything. Now, you, you'll talk more about this, about what you had to do to your body to go through those IVF cycles to not be successful and then continue. You know what? That's brave. <laughs> it's agreement. It's a yep, yep, agreement. Penny, what's our question of the week that we're going to ask our community? So this week, I think because of our um, friends theme, I particularly want to reach out and ask our our toddlers community what your experience has been with your friends throughout your 20s and 30s who have become mothers. How has have you dealt with that? Were they maintained or did they move to the wayside and you can answer that question over on our facebook page which is unripe community we'll drop the information in our show notes to make it easier for you well penny thanks for this week's episode have we I already come to the end of another episode we have come to the end of another episode well there you go thank you joe thanks for sharing your story today yeah, same with you have a wonderful week we'll see you all next time We'd like you to join us on our Facebook page, which is Unripe Community. And if you're childless or child-free and from Australia or New Zealand, you're welcome to join our private group, which you'll find a link to on the Facebook page. We're also on Instagram as Unripe Community. If you want to share a story or let us know what topics you'd like to hear more about, please drop us an email at hellounripe at gmail.com. Our website is where you'll find out a bit more about us. Go to unripecommunity.com.au.